Thanks for listening to the AI and IT Ops podcast brought to you by New Relic. This is Episode 1, the Express Version. For all things application performance management, AI ops, digital transformation, and more, check out www.apmdigest.com. Our guest today is Dennis Drogseth, Vice President at analyst firm Enterprise Management Associates, also known as EMA, where he has served as an analyst for 22 years, specializing in ITSM, Advanced Operations Analytics, CMDB, and more. And now, your host of the podcast, industry veteran, consultant, and analyst, Andy Thurai. Welcome to AI and IT Ops Podcast. I am Andy Thorai, founder and principal at thefieldcto.com, where we provide unbiased emerging technology advisory services. IT operations are getting very complicated. Ops guys, the knock and sock guys, are getting stressed out. Almost every business, not just cloud-native business, is dependent on their IT now. Digitalization is happening faster than ever. But with siloed teams, huge DevOps and Agile push, hourly and daily release cycles, and remote work, operations teams are drowning in change and alert fatigue. They are almost reaching a point of no return. Can we save them? Or is it a lost cause? Let's find out. I have Dennis Drogseth, a principal analyst from Enterprise Management Associates and analyst firm with me here today to discuss this further. Dennis, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. Glad to be with you. I know you're doing a radar research report on AIOps that's soon to be published. So I want to talk about what are the key criteria that you're using to weed out the good and, and then the AIOps. How exactly are you measuring them and how many vendors? You don't have to name them, but you can talk about categories if you'd like. Okay, there's a lot to the question. So I'll start with the easiest answer. We have 17 vendors, and uh, still the list is not entirely complete. I'll admit it. One thing we did not include, uh, partly deliberately because it's kind of its own space, but it's relevant, I wouldn't completely put them outside this space, are the APM vendors that have advanced analytics brought into them. You know, there are a number of APM vendors that have done a lot with advanced analytics. What I'm seeing though in doing this radar is that they tend to be very complementary to the group of 17 that we're looking at now. And I'll give you the criteria that I use to select them. There are a few cases where the variations aren't perfect, but here's the general flow. Looking at data from cross-domain sources. If it's just about servers or just about storage or just about purely applications for that matter, that would not qualify. We're looking for the the application infrastructure at some level uh, with reasonably high volumes of data as well. Some of it in some cases coming directly through uh, discovery and and, uh, data simulation, others through third-party integrations then multiple types of data. And that varies a lot in some cases by who's playing. And uh, in fact, there's uh, a a couple of instances where it's not a perfect match, but generally most of the 17 are looking at at least events, metrics, time series, log data, mix of that. And then we get on to configuration data. We get on to any cloud related specifics. So it can vary quite a bit. Multi-domain, as I mentioned, in terms of roles. So that's the other side of it. 
uh, when we talk about cross-domain uh, and span, I see the, the sizzle here, and the real power here is this is a unifier for IT, and that means that should have a human face as well as a purely technology face. And vendors that are aware of that, hopefully, are bringing role support and maximizing those values. Again, taking this into a human dimension that's not just about all the heuristics, all the algorithms, all the automation, which is another important factor. So the you know self-learning capabilities, heuristics for prescriptive, predictive, anomaly detection, topology-related analytics, fill in the blank. We even ask about chaos theory and fuzzy logic. And we're actually getting pretty good data on what are the most prevalent of all these different heuristic approaches. Generally, we're actually looking to track this in terms of anomaly and observability. That's the baseline. Predictive, where you can look ahead and see the future in some meaningful way. Prescriptive, where you actually can see what to do and get information and insight about how to do it. And of course, if you can hook that with automation, that's very much in the advanced mode there. And then the other more general term is if then. If I make this change, what's going to happen? Uh, if you do this, what's going to happen? Well, those are the overarching logical categories I'm looking at. Not all the vendors have terribly full support for all those areas, but they all have some level of anomaly and predictive and usually some level of prescriptive, at least if they're integrated with an IT service management platform, for instance, sometimes that, that helps the prescriptive. We talked about it being an overlay that assimilates different monitoring investments or other tools. And again, going back to the research that I mentioned, our respondents then, we had, I think, about over 300 uh, globally. On average, we're hoping to have their AI ops investment assimilate as many as 23 different tool sets of different kinds. It includes automation, includes monitoring of all varieties, may include, if you're uh, uh, in this group, all the APM vendors, and then other you know, cloud-specific tools as well. And cloud is, was the other requirement. I required that all the vendors, yes, they have cross-domain, but that they also can support hybrid cloud, at least, and some level of public cloud, and I'm finding that, of course, fairly pervasive, a very growing requirement. So if you had to look at your list of 17 vendors, how do you group them? Do you have a representation for all of them? How does it stack out? It's a good question. In a preliminary way, I would say there are the following general groups. Those that were the frameworks of the past that are evolving into a much more progressive form of AI machine learning. Then there are a parallel group of smaller vendors that are sort of manager, single pane of glass, much smaller than the big four, for instance, but have also are evolving very proactively into machine learning and AI and have the advantage of being a single platform more than a simple suite, more than a, a suite, uh, so that they're a little more deployable. They may not have all the features. And of course, that's one of the dynamics of investing in this space, complexity and time to value and richness of functionality. And what do you need? Do you need an AI ops platform that contains within it everything you need for discovery and dependency mapping? Or is that something you get through 
uh, integrated third-party tools, or is it a mix of both? And again, there's no right answer because every environment is different and has a different history. And our goal is actually to do our honest best to create a landscape where people can look at strengths based on use case uh, amidst this high variety of flavors. In the AI ops dedicated platforms, they also come in multiple flavors. Some of them primarily assimilative. That is, they're, they're built from third party and then bring analytics to the to the picture. And there's a lot of strengths with that. Others that have their own discovery and dependency mapping as well as do third party simulation. And again, they are, but they were created as AI ops platforms, although the, the name wasn't present when they were first created in some cases. And then there's a, a, other varieties that are unique uh, IT service management affiliated might be my term, where uh, AI and machine learning is really now becoming a high growth area. And there are some advantages in having a very close interweaving storyline with, say, uh, a robust CMDB and CMS and other and uh, workflow and other capabilities. And then there are unique innovators that really don't fit in any of these categories a couple I'm thinking of happen to be affiliated in some ways with ITSM, but they're actually only affiliated and, and they have unique value. What they, all these vendors do have in common, if you look at the criteria I described, is that they're all cross-domain. They all provide value to multiple roles across IT. They all take in data, a rich set of data, and they all provide machine learning and analytics across it to provide proactive guidance across uh, multiple use cases. The AI and ITFs podcast will be back shortly. I'm Pete Golden, the publisher of APM Digest, and I just want to take a break for a minute to talk to you about New Relic, the sponsor that brought you this podcast today. New Relic has done something a little out there. They reworked everything. See, they've been actually listening when people talk about blind spots or being stuck with a dozen different tools or getting hit with hidden costs. First, they went open source, making it so you can actually instrument what you need. Then they made it so you can monitor your whole stack in one place, including serverless. You can use telemetry data from any source for ridiculously cheap, and there's one UI with all your tools. And they completely changed their pricing so you can easily predict it. This is advantageous because who has time to troubleshoot their bill, right? Best of all, there's a free tier with one user and 100 gigabytes per month, totally free. So you can really make sure it works before you pay a dime. New Relic is definitely worth another look. Check it out at newrelic.com. Observability made simple. And now back to the podcast. I'm curious, when you're looking at the 17 vendors, capabilities-wise, real solution-wise, not being a snake oil, do you see you know one or two standing head and shoulders above others, or are they all somewhat of still evolving, confused mess? How do you see that? So our, uh, we have two axes on what we call our bubble charts where the vendors line up and get positioned. So it's not linear. And then having multiple use cases helps avoid that linearity. And so the short end and, and the two axes are architecture and functionality is one. So that's kind of, you know, the all the capabilities. And then time to value and cost effectiveness is the other. And what happens is you really see a spread across that space where 
if you want everything under the sun in terms of functionality and you're willing to pay a lot of money and you have a, a high level of administrative overhead, it's fine. You see high winners in that space. And then you see other winners who are a faster time to value, a little more focused or a lot more focused, uh, maybe a little narrower in what they can do. So I, I would say that generally we see a spread. And of course, it, again, that was one of the reasons for use case. Some vendors excel. Most of them are fairly balanced in use case, but some really excel in one specific use case. Since I keep talking about use case, the three we are looking at are incident performance and availability. That's the center of the aisle for a lot of AI ops. Cha uh, change impact and capacity optimization is a separate one. And the third is business impact and uh, IT to business alignment. Now, how much are they involving, truly involving business outcomes, business stakeholders, and how much are they bringing IT together to support digital transformation very progressively with clear analytics and clear visualization, clear reports, that's a third use case. Yeah, I mean, those, those are really good, solid use cases. You, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, thanks, Andy. All right. So it's all good to talk until cows come home. But if I'm an enterprise, I'm trying to jumpstart, get a jumpstart on this, that I want to be different than others, that I, I, I got my lesson, I'm an executive, I'm looking at this. What are some of the adoption challenges that you have seen, some of the gotchas? Lessons learned from the failures and, and from the field? Lots of lessons learned and watching this evolve over the years, a lot of the lessons remains pretty similar. And, and they actually relate to how you actually make a strategic initiative work, right? To do that well, it's not just about buying a piece of technology. To do that well, you need to think of organizational dimensions, process dimensions, political dimensions, potentially, people who don't want to share their data, people who don't want to work differently, people who feel their jobs are being threatened. All that needs to be understood in advance of a serious AI ops deployment, just as it would in advance of a serious CMDB deployment. Now, we look at, uh, when we do consulting, a triangle of, say, cultural and, and organizational structure as one, process requirements is another, and uh, technology adoption integrations is another. That's a triangle we try to get people to stand in the middle of. Unfortunately, when they hire experts, they'll often get experts in just one of those corners of the triangle, right? So you can spend an awful lot of money going from somebody telling you how to change your organization to uh, someone who's an expert in you know, ITIL or other processes to a systems integrator. And if they don't work together, you're not going to have the right outcomes. Now that's, I think, not just for AI ops, but any strategic initiative requires that level of standing back. Once you've got that, then you also need communication. You need someone who can, it's not just about updating with an email. You need a team with good communication to promote dialogue, understand stakeholder issues, how you can expand, how you can promote, et cetera. Again, these get often overlooked because people step back and think, well, I'm buying a tool. And so, you know, that's it. Well, that's not it when you have a transformative kind of investment. And of course, around this very idea, the notion that the executive suite can just sort of sit off in outer space and not pay attention is all wrong. The executive suite needs to be supportive 
and potentially engaged depending on you know, who's driving the move. And the other is got to go from objective to objective. You can't boil the ocean in one fell sweep. So how do you progress? How do you evolve? How, how do you prioritize? All those things need to be managed proactively. There needs to be a team leading those decisions and they need to be able to work with the vendors to support that. You know, the, from the purely technical perspective, AI ops issues have to do with too much complexity, which a lot of the vendors are aggressively trying to ad address. We've still got a long way to go. How do you assimilate data? How do you train the machine learning? How do you create your reports and visualization in an easy way? How do you create policies relevant to what you need to achieve? All those things are at various stages within each of the 17, but they're all being addressed at some level. So you're telling me that the classic case of uh, people processing technology still works, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I think people, people culture politics would be one phrase there. Yeah, yeah. After all this, I'm an executive. I want to implement. I don't have time to do all this research, read the report, listen to the whole thing. Is there, can you boil it down? Is there one single winning strategy? In other words, is there a magic silver bullet? The magic silver bullet is to recognize that there's no magic silver bullet because the, the, the silver bullet is actually to sit down and understand who you are and what you need and what fits you. When we ask, get asked questions about what's generically the right answer, I always think, well, are you generic? Is your IT organization generic? The answer is always no. Every dialogue I have, every deployment conversation I have, has distinctive traits to it. And sure, there are things in common. So the first, if there is a silver bullet, is to, again, recognize you need to understand you, who you are, what you need, and why you need it, and where you, what are your priorities for now? What do you have already? That's where to start. How is the pandemic affecting the uh, AOPS and automation? And more importantly, the digital transformation in general. Is it speeding things up or slowing it down, or is it business as usual? Well, it isn't quite business as usual, as I'm sure you know. And I, I, on the one hand, I see a greater need for more dynamic, more progressive, more unified visually ways of working that don't require 16 different screens in, in a room with 20 different people. You need to have support for remote workers who can collaborate effectively and AI ops plus automation plus integrated visualization is a key way to help achieve that. How that's going to evolve and of course uh, what's going to happen in you know a year from now, a year and a half from now, when hopefully the menace of the pandemic is at bay at least, how much will things go back to the way they were and how much will they not? That's a very hard question to answer. But I do see that Digital transformation itself, the need for businesses to be digital and the need for IT to enable digital business outcomes is greater than ever. And all the tools, including AI ops and automation at the center, primary to that, uh, are critical in making a difference. And your thoughts? If any, um, the pandemic has speeded things up. Companies are actually forced to cut down on their IT spend costs, yet uh, CIOs and the IT executives are finding a way to the more automation, the more AI ops, more by spending time more. They realize that by spending more, it'll save them on a longer run. So they are they are not cutting these projects. 
if if any, they are speeding it up. That's that's my experience. Well, that's good to hear. That's I think critical. I mean, right. This is not a time not to make investments, exactly. even if it's hard. Yeah. Right. So I have one last question for you. Let's address the topic of this podcast. We started off to set out to discuss the IT operations folks are stressed out. So can can this be fixed using the existing tools or, or the newer implementation tools or with, with the current uh, current world tools? Or is it too late? What do you think? Well, I hope it's not too late. And I, from my conversations, I have to say, I don't, I get the sense of almost the opposite that, of course, I've been talking to AI ops deployments. <laughs> Uh, in the AIOps deployment, I'm seeing signs of progress, progressive moves. I think it can be fixed. But of course, again, it, it takes commitment, it takes investment, and it takes all the things we talked about, awareness of human dimensions as well as technology. For our sake, I hope uh, it's not too late because, you know, every business depend come to depend on IT now. And if you can't fix it, then IT is doomed, which means the businesses are doomed. <laughs> so so for our sake, I hope it's not too late. But I, I mean, they're able to cope with that and survive. So that's that's good. Dennis, thank you so much for your wisdom. I really appreciate your time. Well, Andy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for hosting and letting me share a few thoughts. Great. So you, you heard from Dennis. You agree, disagree, or if you have an opinion, let me know. Let's uh, discuss this further. Also, if you'd like to be part of our podcast, please let me know as well. Until next episode, so long, stay safe.